Blog Talk Radio. On a huge day in NFL football, uh, I guess the uh, biggest news of the day is uh, the Raiders signing Roy Hallou. Oh, yeah. We're, we're Super Bowl, baby. We're going to the Super Bowl, damn it. Roy Hallou? Give me that big day in NFL football. I'm sure y'all have been all over the map because I know I was following Twitter and all these people. Even I was even following fake accounts for a second. I, I seen that, where somebody uh, retweeted uh, uh, Peter King. Actually, there was a, there was a Adam, so there was a fake Adam Schefter account that tweeted out that Murray was on his way to the Eagles in a five year, forty million dollar deal, and I was like, what? Your heart the sank. Eagles? I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm 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 ready to accept if he's gone, you know. But I was like, the Eagles. Oh, man. Anyway, big day in NFL football, but these next couple of days will be even bigger in Conference USA and college basketball as a whole as we enter into championship week, man. I mean, a lot of conferences are already underway in their tournaments, but big time week for Conference USA and uh, the minors. This is what we've been waiting for since October, bro. I mean, literally. I mean, maybe even since Fresno State stepped on our ball last <laughs> But I mean, really, I mean, this is this is kind of, of course, obviously, to be cliche, the pinnacle of the college basketball season, like in my Bill Walton voice. But, I love it. Uh, I mean, I this it, is man. just. I mean, I got. I, I mean, I'm taking days off I, every year. I either take days off for the conference tournament or the, the NCAA tournament. This year, I pushed my luck with the NCAA tournament, hoping that a certain team in Orange and Blue gets there yes, so I can uh, buy some emergency plane tickets or something. But I mean, it's just a great time. I mean, man, I mean. Championship basketball, and not it's not just like the NBA playoffs where you got one, one or two games. No, I mean you got different channels. You know, you, if you're lucky enough to have two or three screens at the group for you, I mean, yeah, big time and a uh, important time for these minors. Important time. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the intensity in the film room, intensity in the practice room has just been raised a little bit, up a little bit. You could see the intense, the intensity from the guys kind of after the game of you know, knowing that this is it right here. Yep. You know, for some of them, this is it. And this is what they've been working hard for since October. It's time to strap it on and do or die basketball. Basically, you win or you go home. I just don't see this team accepting a CB high bid. Anything other than the NCAA tournament and IT bid should not be accepted. And, uh, you know, it starts Thursday night. I completely agree. Good morning. I completely agree, man. We got another hour-long live podcast planned for y'all today. Maybe an hour and a half. Who knows? If we get into it, we might run over a little bit. But it will be ninety-nine, roughly in the range of 99 to 100% uh, on college basketball. There might yeah. be just a hair thrown in there, some college here's, football. Here's or, the football. The minors are yeah. off this week. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Here's your here. 1%. The minors are off this week. They'll get back in the money like I was telling Anthony before. Uh, before the show, I'm hoping to get out there next Friday unless we make the NCAA tournament. But, sure. uh, you know, if, I, if other plans don't go through, I'm going to try to get out there. Hopefully, it's a scrimmage. Definitely want to get a really good grasp. I can give a good report for you all about the quarterback situation and the other things you all have. So, um, jump right into it, Let's man. Let's jump right into it, man. So, here we go. Here, here's here's the, the basic rundown uh, of the Conference USA tournament, which is slated uh, to, to begin tomorrow with, I believe, the, the game that the Miners – Yep. Are, are looking at to, to kick everything off, which is the seven seed UTSA Roadrunners um, going up against the FIU. Is it still Golden Panthers or yeah, they're the Golden, Golden Panthers? Panthers. The Golden Panthers. Uh, they're, they're set to, to tip off at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, I I don't know what to what to what to expect out of that game. I mean, both those teams have kind of been up and down. There was a point where we kind of felt like UTSA was on their way up and. We kind of could have said the same for FIU at one point, but they kind of tailed off towards the end of the season, lost a couple tough ones. And I think, you know, 
I think we'd like to see FIU, right? I mean, in a, I would actually disagree with that. I would because the way I saw FIU defend the you hell would. out of UAB in that last game of the year, and not just Adrian Diaz with a triple double with them blocks. I think FIU is a scary team because they have guards, unlike UTSA, who has guards that are serviceable. But I mean, you're talking about a guy like Devin Dennis Maven, who's tops in the, in the league in scoring. Their other guard, Draper, is an athletic guy that gave UTEP trouble last time. I would think UTSA would be more of, of the better matchup. I don't want to see FIU. I honestly think FIU is going to pull this upset. UTSA is kind of nosediving. They've kind of lost that nastiness that they had where they were defending and they were able to score and go inside out. And I think FIU is just scary with that guard play. And then the guy like Diaz, who really our bigs were able to neutralize his ability, but to see him do what he did against, you know, a guy like William Lee, uh, Tosh Mahaney, those guys against UAB where he pretty much just tossed their stuff around the whole game. And that was real impressive to see not only uh, Diaz go out, but their whole team was really defending well. So I, I, I was, what would you, who would you rather see in, in that first round matchup? I mean, I think for me personally, even though you do talk about, uh, about what, what Diaz and uh, Dave, Davion, Davion, Davion Draper. Draper. You know, I think to me, to me, I think FIU did more of a tailspin down the stretch more than more than uh, UTSA oh, did. Yeah, I agree especially with you. I seeing, agree with especially that. seeing the way UTSA played here in El Paso, because we went out and we blew them out the first time at, at, in San Antonio, and they came back and played us much tougher in El Paso. Now, um, we still were able to beat them by seven, but that was a game that was kind of decided in the last few minutes, kind of opened up just a little bit. Uh, but you know, I just. I I would like to think that that we shouldn't have to worry about this type of game, but I do feel like we're we're better suited to face FIU because they they might have a couple guys on top with Draper, but but I just don't see them having enough firepower throughout the lineup to be able to take out a team like you. And that proved that when we played them at home. It, it, exactly, and and now playing away from home, even though UTEP's away from home as well, you know that takes a little bit away from. FIU, they kind of had that that little advantage, even if it's just a couple points. They had that little advantage playing at home, and and I just think you know I'd rather see them personally. I feel like UTSA would have a lot more to prove, and they'd be almost not playing for more, but they they feel like they had more to prove, especially well, I mean, going up against that three seniors. So yeah, yeah, I mean three seniors, but but it's almost like a big brother syndrome or little brother syndrome, you know, where like you're trying to to prove yourself against UTEP, like you're supposed to be. I mean, I hate to say big brother, but big brother, you know what I, I mean, in the conference. <laughs> and so, you know, I feel like they'd, they'd have, like, this edge. They'd have this, like, chip on their shoulder of, like, wanting to beat you. And so that that could be a little dangerous, especially that. I mean, really, any team gets hot, it, it, it could be over for you. That's the beauty of March Madness and conference tournaments, the NCAA tournament and all of it. But personally, I think that FIU is just not as deep as as UTSA would be and could be, and there's not that chip on their shoulder to like just really have a, a deep desire, other than just advancing in the tournament to have like some kind of thing where they just like a program to win beat UTEP, you know. Um, so I I would rather see FIU, but I think we're gonna see UTSA. I could I could see that point for sure. I mean UTSA, we've pretty much owned them, uh, you know, since they came into the conference, and you know, talking about their three seniors, guy like Jeremy Hill, who's been around, been to an NCAA tournament himself. Keon Lewis is a guy that's, that's very, very aggressive. You can tell that he would probably build on that mantra of beating UTEP. You know, he's been around and kind of got his tail whipped by UTEP the past couple of years. So definitely can agree with that as far as uh, UTSA having a little bit more to play with. But I just, 
just you know the way that Dennis Maven, that guy, just really really impressed me. But I mean that that could be one of the better games uh, tomorrow. I mean that's going to start things right off. And I have to say, you know, what, seeing uh, pictures come out of Birmingham and, and the court design and teams practicing, I'm a little jealous because. We were there last year, and we saw all that firsthand, and that was pretty damn. I think cool. a lot of people. I, I don't know how likely it would have been, but a lot of people almost feel like we should be we should be there again, because we've done well with the tournament the two years that we've had very well, and with everything that happened to Fallout in in Birmingham with the football program and Ray Watts and blah blah blah, a lot of people wanted that tournament to be moved. I did, but that's unrealistic. I, I mean, I said it, but yeah, I mean, I, I'll come out and say it. I, I think it's just. I think it takes away from the celebration of what should be the basketball, and it turns into a political warfare. I, that's just my opinion of it. But, I mean, it, it's it's impossible. It, it was impossible for UTSA or UTSA, for Conference USA, when they voted on this back, what, in March, April, May, June, to say, oh, yeah, UAB is going to up, and, up and, and cut football in December. Yeah. I mean, so, more, more than that, I just felt like – I was one that never really felt like UAB should be punished in basketball or hosting the tournament because – of what a few people did in what seems to be a completely political move, all, all, you know, and so I don't think you should be able to, I don't think you should punish the basketball program for that or the school at that because it was a select few is what it seems like, which this is a whole different conversation for a completely different day, but it would seem like it was a select few that made the decision to pull the program, yeah. pull the plug on the program, and you can't really take that out on the entire athletics department. Um, but, you know, I, because of that, I felt like it was still right to host it in, in, in Birmingham, but... I know there were people that were hoping, hey, pull it from Birmingham, bring it to El Paso. We can host it. We've done it before. We did it last year. We can do it again. It would have been nice. I mean, real nice. last year we felt like we had a chance to run the table. I don't know how likely it was, but last year, you know, how we played fairly well down the stretch after losing our guys going into that tournament, we felt like we had a, a good chance. I think this year we'd feel like we'd have, you know, that much of a better chance. Yeah, I mean, there's – you're talking about we kind of ran into a bus out with Southern Miss. You know they had they really just had our number. We had a 12 point lead at their crib that year, and they came back and just were able to pick us apart. That's interesting. That's, didn't something like that happen this year? Yeah, that's you know what I I want to even say Tyson. That's happened the past three seasons when we played in Hattiesburg. Where they've had where they've cut a deficit like that. It's a it's a damn curse. Damn curse of Donnie Tindall. I'll say that. But I mean, anyways, get getting to uh, tomorrow's action. I mean, uh, this. Next to UTSA and FIU, this one is really, really interesting because you have Middle Tennessee, a defensive team, uh, you know, kind of struggles, goes through scoring stretches, but they have an all-conference freshman. And then you've got Charlotte, yeah, who's up and down, can score a lot of points, got a great player in Piaria Henry. You know, I actually think that the UTSA-FIU game might be the worst of the four games. You think? Yeah. I mean, you look at Middle Tennessee, and it's kind of defense against offense in a Mm -hmm. sense. Um, you look at Western Kentucky and Marshall. Marshall got hot for a second, even though they kind of nosediving as That's well. That's like shooters versus shooters versus shooters. Exactly. And, and Western Kentucky have a lot to play for, in my really opinion, do. because this season started out kind of slow, but they hit their peak in the middle of the season, and they were on top of Conference USA at nine or ten and zero or something like that. And then they finished thirteen and five. You know, they lost five out of seven or whatever it was to finish the year, and 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 now you're coming up against a Marshall team that's got a lot more confidence. Than the first time you saw them, way more and, and and so that should be a good game there. I mean, I think Western Kentucky will be able to pull it out, but they haven't been able to find a lot offensively. And I think Marshall will be able to hang around. And and that's another one. You you start a team hits a couple shots and they get some confidence. I mean, you see it all the time 
you know, we uh, uh, last week or the week before, I was watching Duke uh, at uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's terrible, man. In fact, I think we were doing the yeah. broadcast that night. And and as we're watching the game, Virginia Tech just kept hitting some shots, man. Just every time you think Duke was going to pull away, Virginia Tech would hit a three or two threes, and all of a sudden it's back to a one point game where they take the lead. And that could happen here, you know. Even if you're the better team, a team gets hot, a team hits a few shots, and you could be on your way out of the tournament. And, and so I think that should be a good game. And then the nightcap, North Texas and Rice, two programs that have, I mean, I wouldn't say completely turned around their season, but kind of have. They I mean, found a rallying they, point. They did. They found a rallying point, and, and they, they played extremely competitively down the stretch. So that should be a, a, a tooth and nail fight that, yeah, to that the end. Sure. I mean, you know, so I just think, you know, even though it's opening round action, you got a lot of teams that – might be under 500 or whatever, but you, you've got some games that could turn out to be pretty pretty interesting. So who's your who's your Cinderella from Wednesday? If you could pick one team that's going to be playing Friday, looking at this and, and looking at, like you said, the stretch of the season, matchups during the season, who's that one team from Wednesday that it, could possibly play Friday? It's got to be Western Kentucky. It's got to be Western Kentucky. And that's the easy one because that's the five seed. It's the first team out of, of the bye. And and but the way I see it is, I'm a homer, so UTEP's not going to lose on Thursday. Yeah. Even though they very well could, but I'm going to say that they're not. I don't think they I will. I agree. I agree. Um, no Louisiana homer. Tech, no as good as North Texas and Rice are playing, I just don't think they can contain the explosiveness of Louisiana Tech. And I don't see Louisiana Tech losing before the semis. I just don't see that happening. I mean, they've played extremely well throughout the conference late. I do not see Talk them. about a team with a chip on their shoulder. And yeah, and ex- exactly, especially after what happened to them last year. They ran out of gas down the stretch, lost early in the, or in the semis of the conference tournament. Had a nine-point lead on Tulsa yeah. in the conference championship game. So I just I just don't see that happening. Um, so then you look at UAB, and UAB is the one team that for a second there almost was in the conversation to win the, tur- win the conference outright. You know, you kind of saw them as that, that Tulsa team team from last year that just went on a run, played extremely well down the stretch, won the regular season uh, in a tie, but, you know, whatever, won the regular season, and then went on to win the conference championship. And you kind of saw them in that picture, considering that they're hosting. But last few games haven't really gone like most uh, would have expected. And so even though I think, you know, like I said, I think Western Kentucky's got to be careful with Marshall, but I think they'll pull that one out. That UAB-Western Kentucky game – is is one that the home team has to be very very careful about. Phantom Price, we've talked about them all year. They're two great players, um, and and again, it's just you know UAB lost two in a row to end the season on the Florida swing. Not that great. Um, there, I just don't think they're playing as well as they were the week before the evening. You know, so it's a big difference. So I just. That's one to look out for. Again, I know it's the easy one. It's the five seed, the first team out of the bye. But I think that's the one team that could be playing on Friday to go on a rant. I'll, I'll go Western Kentucky too, but a team that's scary just because of the way that they were able. Just watching them on Saturday, Rice. And I know you, we talked about La Tech with the chip on the shoulder, but that's a scary matchup for La Tech because La Tech, if that's the case, they're going to have to score too. And and I I I like Alex Hamilton. I like Appleby, but we saw that they can be frustrated. There's certain ways that Floyd was able to kind of frustrate those guys and, and, and make them one-dimensional. But I, I just that Rice La Tech game. If I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this UTEP game, and Rice started out all five from three points, and then they hit their next seven. Uh, we're talking about on the road against a decent crowd. You taking you go to this neutral site, and, and 
teams that have shooters and teams that can shoot like that, I just think are very dangerous in this tournament time. Because like you said, it's just one of those games where a team gets hot and, you know, you're playing well, but you're just getting buried dagger after dagger after dagger. And we kind of saw that for stre- from stretches of rice. But luckily, UTEP was able to kind of maintain that early lead. But, I mean, that's just a very, very scary team that I think, you know, luckily La Tech, like you said, they, like we talked about, they had that chip on their shoulder with those three seniors. And I think that's what helped them uh, get through it. But you got to look at Rice as a team. And I would even – I would even, I agree with you on Western Kentucky. When that kid Harrison Docks is scoring yeah. and Trenchy Jackson He's is scoring the for them. Us. Yeah, when, when, when you, we, we always talk about Price. We always talk about Fant. But when they get Harrison Docks going and they get Trenchy Jackson going, not necessarily hitting three after three, but just being serviceable and providing extra production, not turning the ball over, you know, getting the ball to Fant and paint, that's a scary team on a neutral floor. And I think that's a big thing. You know, when we talk about, we've seen kind of the differences. Teams play different on their home floor. Old Dominion, for example, you know, that's a team that's dominant on their home floor. They pretty much shat their pants when they got on the road this year. So now you're talking about this, you know, we're we're looking ahead to Old Dominion UTEP matchup, and I'm just saying throw out the ball and let them go. That yeah. game is too close. So there's going to be a lot of matchups Here, like that. Here's my question to you. Um, it's kind of a hard one because – Okay, well, here's the first question. Who Who is your – just right off, the, right off the top of your head, who wins the tournament? LaTex. LaTex. I, and, I, and I would agree. As well as they've played, as inconsistent as everybody else has been, LaTex. Okay, so throw LaTex out. Who is the second team that you think has the best chance to win the tournament? I think UTEP, just because of our ability to, to defend you and to get inside that ass and shut you down. That's where I, that's where I would go with UTEP. That, that's my basis, no home. <laughs> You know, me as a homer, I, I would also say UTEP. And I'll be honest with you, man. I've had this feeling, and I texted you. I texted to you the other day, and I said, I just have a feeling that it's just we're gonna we're, we're gonna get it going. What's the, word, what's the word? No, what's the word after you said though? Because it it, it made a lot of sense to me. Floyd, Floyd redemption. Oh, redemption. Yeah, Floyd redemption. Right. More so, than so I'll, I'll put it out there. I don't care. I'm not. I'm not buying into. I'm. Not, I'm. I'm superstitious, but I'm not buying into any jinx garbage and say that I'm gonna jinx it. But I do feel like. Like, we're going to go on a run here, and we're going to win this Conference USA tournament, and we're going to come out, and we're going to win a game or two, as crazy as it sounds, in the in the NCAA tournament. And that's going to be Floyd's redemption. And I was actually looking at at his at his resume, and a lot of the years – I shouldn't say a lot. It was only a couple times, but he had a lot of, like, not-so-great seasons with Iowa State, with USC, where he where he got into the, into the conference tournament, won the conference tournament – and ended up going and win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. And and I was looking at that today, and you're talking 21 and nine finishes, 21 and 11 finishes, similar finishes to this season here. Got hot in the conference tournament, went on to win a couple games. I, I think that's going to happen, but that's besides the point. My my thing was when I when I posed that question about who's the favorite, and I know we have to we're more than likely going to have to face them in the semifinals. Old Dominion, man. A lot they, of people they, are high they, on them. And I wasn't two weeks ago, but they just got scary because they are a team that is very good defensively. They can shut it down as good as anybody. I don't, I don't think anybody scored over 60 on them yeah. in the last four or five games. We, so they, they, can, they can shut it down as good as anybody in the league. And, and, and two, three weeks ago, they were playing very inconsistent ball. They couldn't find it offensively. But all of a sudden, they're just handling their business. And that is a team to me that is very scary because you saw them at the beginning of the year 
And they knocked off VCU. They knocked off LSU. They knocked off Richmond. You know, these, these are teams that are on the bubble or if not in the NCAA tournament. This is a team that, that if the minors don't come out to play for 40 minutes, will beat them by 10 points. And, it, and it's like I said, for, for me, I think UTEP has the best chance aside from La Tech. But I, and that's, for me, that's the home we're talking. I really feel like Old Dominion might even have a better chance than Louisiana Tech at this point because of how well-rounded they are offensively, defensively, depth, everything. To me, they're the complete team. I, I got it. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I'm looking kind of too track sided with UTEP on La Tech, and you kind of and you forget about Old Dominion. Yeah. But I mean, looking at these scores at the end of the year, 64-38 home win against Southern Miss. Turn around, they smashed La Tech, as we all know, 72-53. Now, you can kind of say they didn't play nobody through the next stretch where they hold Rice to 54, hold Dominion to 57, and Marshall to 50. But to hold Western Kentucky to 52 even, and pretty much dominate, that game wasn't even close from the wasn't, beginning. But even, that shows a lot. Even those three games against Rice, North Texas, and Marshall, if you look at the schedule, uh, and I'll bring it up just to be sure, but – all three of those teams were either just off of win streaks or North on for sure. or on win streaks. Um, Rice had lost a couple. They lost actually. Rice had won four to five before they went to play ODU. Um, I, think, I think North Texas was the same. North Texas had won five in a row when they went to go play ODU. Oh, okay. And Marshall had won. Uh, oh, they lost two. They had won five of seven. So you know, all three of those teams were playing. I know they're they're they're. In the bottom half of the league, but they were playing much better when they went to go play them. And ODU had none of it. And and especially the Rice and UNT games, to me, those are the most impressive because they're playing much better than Marshall overall. And they were also at home. There was no home games for Rice and UNT. And some of those some of those bottom dwellers had some good wins against top tier teams yeah. too. So for Old all Dominion, them, not all, so, of all of them did. So for Old Dominion to not fall victim of that and to finish strong six straight to win up yep. the season. And not to mention who their head coach is. Jeff Jones is the guy that's just you know, turned that program around and has a great track record and, and I think it's had a even it's a way better track record old Dominion. If you look at the world has gotten, you know, since he's taken over. I mean, that's a team that that's a, a, a tough everybody wants to talk about oh UTEP's kinda got it made in their bracket. No, we don't. I don't think so. I, I, I definitely disagree. I think it's a it's a, a decent draw where we don't have to see La Tech. But I mean in Old Dominion, yeah we match up with Old Dominion. But they got guys that can score. They got guys that can shut you down too. So I got I mean, a question. I got a question. Why the hell are we watching the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? I was, was going to switch it earlier, but we, I, I, I <laughs> well, hey, hey, is this thing on? Is this, did I just say that out loud? <laughs> we're in here watching the Real Housewives. We're not even paying attention to the TV. We, 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 we opened the show talking about all the college basketball on I TV. Know, we're, we're watching the Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> and then we switch it over to the West Coast Championship right here. BYU and Gonzaga going at it. But yeah, man. Um, look. When when you talk about the bracket and the draw for UTEP, I did feel like like it was the best draw. In the sense that you didn't have to play the top team and you didn't have to play the host until, you know, the championship game. So um that part as, of as high as, that, that's all, that's really all you could ask. That's for. the only silver lining. Yeah, out. but I mean that's all you could ask for. When you when you go into a tournament, a conference tournament, you never want to play the home team and you never want to play the top team. And that's all. Just everybody else is fair game. I mean, you're, you're gonna have to play some tough teams, so you can't just cakewalk your way in there. But I mean, I just as high as I am on Old Dominion, I think we did get the best possible draw. I mean, it would have been nice to who knows maybe we don't have to play Old Dominion, but it would have been nice to not have to play any of them. But this is a championship. This is a tournament. You got to go in. You got to play well. You got to beat the best. 
to, to, to get where you want to go. So um, I'm, we talked about it as soon as you got here, man. I can't wait till Thursday, bro. I mean, I'm just, I, I shouldn't even ask for anybody to tweet us out pictures to my first Twitter because I started feeling sad. Like, hey, we were there last yep. year. We were in every press conference. We, you know, it was fun. And, and I mean, but, you know, this, where do you think the tournament kind of goes from now as far as, does he think it comes back here? I mean, where, where, does, well, where do you see that? I mean, I think Birmingham, I honestly really like the setup. I like it. It looks like an NBA arena, what they have down there. I'm really with, impressed with the setup. With Charlotte, with Charlotte, Old Dominion, you know, these, these more Eastern teams joining, um, you think that'll help exposure if it's on the East Coast? You think that'll? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think. I don't think exposure matters too much in a conference tournament, especially for a conference like Conference USA. It was one thing when it was Memphis. There was a lot to do in Memphis, and you're playing at the FedEx Forum and so on and so forth. But now, with as down as the league is, I mean, I just. I don't think it makes. You just hope for some competitive games. Yeah, and I don't think you're gonna. I don't think exposure is gonna matter too much. I don't think you're gonna draw huge crowds because Old Dominion's playing UTEP. You know, if you're if you're in Miami or something, you know what I mean. Whatever it might be on the East Coast, I just I don't I don't see that happening. And and um, I I do think that a team like like probably UTSA has a very good chance to host. You're talking about um, I don't know if they can get the Alamo Dome for a conference tournament. I I don't know how likely that would be because of I don't think you can expect. 30, 40, 50, whatever. Well, I mean, they're, 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 I mean, with the high school game, they're having the high school state championship there, uh, basketball. So, I mean, it's... So, if they could do something like that, I would think a, a school like UTSA... I would like to see the AT&T center. center instead of... Yeah, uh, that's of, true. You know, and especially over Freeman Coliseum, too. That I, I mean, that place is not... I don't think that's a place up to stand. I'm really, really impressed. We're looking at pictures of what that uh, legacy arena, whatever it is that they're calling it uh, now. It was like the... Birmingham Jefferson Community College Center or whatever, but I mean a really really nice setup there, and uh, you know just hopefully that we're playing all the way until Saturday that'll be really great. Um, but one thing I wanted to talk about it and two uh, two very deserving awards were handed out this week is of course the the end of the year comes the awards start trickling in and Vince Hunter and Julian Washburn both were honored Vince Hunter named first team all conference USA and finally. Most deservingly, three years too late, Julian Washburn picks up that Something offense. Something that, that we that we yeah. talked about before the show was just how, in a way, Julian wasn't deserving this year. I don't. I mean, you know, I mean, it's not there. to say that he's not a great defender, but I, I feel like he's played better defense his sophomore and junior season. I felt like last year he was the shut-down guy in Conference USA, he, he got period, after last and he got year. shafted. And then you come on a year like this year, and it's almost like they realize, like, hey, we shafted this guy last year, and it's his senior year. We should probably give him the defensive player of the year. So, I mean, it, it's not just that he's not deserving as a defender, but I feel like he's had better years than it's on then. It's just, it's, it was kind of odd to see that. Um, Vince Hunter being uh, a first-team first all-conference player, I, I don't that think was I think that was, yeah, that was, that was expected. In fact, midway through the year, it was him the talk was him being the you know the conference player of the year so that was definitely expected i was a little disappointed that we didn't see julian at least make third team uh, or cedric were. you know cedric played extremely well throughout the conference slate man most improved player in the league I yeah think. And, and so so i i kind i think there was a couple shafts in the sense that you just see vince 
and nobody else. I think that was like the easy one for the conference. They're just like, oh, Vince Hunter, yeah, he's great. You know, anytime you see UTEP play on TV, all the announcers talk about is Vince yep. Hunter. Oh, Vince Hunter this, Vince Hunter that. Yeah, it's great. There's a lot of other good players on this team, and I I felt like we just we didn't get the credit we deserve it in a, from a few, for a few guys, and that was that was mo- that that's what was most disappointing. Yeah, I mean, and Julian really struggled early in the year. I think he'll tell you that defensively. Um, you know, there was I think one of his better defensive games was the Arizona game. Um, you know, it was he really struggled. I mean, it was kind of weird to see that at the beginning of the year. You see a team like Incarnate Ward just take Jew off the dribble, and you're like, what the hell? But I mean, looking at these conference games, he really turned it on. My favorite one was that Trey Freeman, where he held Trey Freeman to six points on three and nine shooting. Uh, you know, going down a list of all the the, the the leading scores, they stopped Seth Gerhardt from Rice, 3 of 10. Uh, the second time against Bingaya, 2 of 6, 1 of 7, nobody, or both times, 2 of 6. And then the second game, 1 of 7, Torrin Dorn, the Conference USA Freshman of the Year, 0 of 2. Pretty 0 of 2 from the field. I'm pretty sure he forced him into some field goals. The, mo- the most impressive recent one was Alex Hamilton, uh, even though we lost that game. But 2 of 12, Alex Hamilton got all his points off of free throws. Uh, and then Keon Lewis, when, when they came here the second time, 2-7. I mean, Julian really, really turned it on during conference play to really earn it. I even think I wrote about it. There was a certain game. I think it was that old Dominion game where I really thought that Washburn had it won right there. And if he could just sustain that down the stretch of the season, that he can. And, and not only that, the big thing, though, I think with Julian's defense, and, and this is just my opinion, kind of thinking crazy, I think that rubbing off on Vince. Because we're seeing Vince Hunter you know defend like hell the past three or four games, and he has that ability. And I think Julian's uh, prowess and that will to defend, I think that's rubbing off on Vince. You, you know, Vince Vince has played hard all season long. You know, his, his problem has never been a lack of effort, lack of intensity. Because even in the games where it seemed like everybody was just out, like out, like out, the, you know, out of it. Vince was the one diving for loose balls and you know trying to make things happen. You know, Vince's Vince's problems is more. They stem more from just trying to do too much. He just he just kind of gets out of control at times with the basketball, especially on the break. It seems like sometimes he doesn't want to wait for guys to get down court. He just goes after it. But but yeah, his intensity and his his you know his want or you know is yeah just his intensity on the defensive end or, or just as a basketball player in general has never been in question. So but I, but I do agree that that the way. Julian has played as a senior down the stretch because he really found himself offensively. I mean, he was inconsistent all year. There's no question about it, but it was amazing to see what I saw in the last game. It was just like, I think we all were in awe. Like, you were waiting for that all year long. And more. Not only that, but more. And more. And that's that's the worst part about it. But, But when I saw that, it just showed, like, hey, I'm a senior. Like, this is my last chance. And that does... That does feed into other players. That that does that is contagious. You know, when you play that hard and you go out there and you're prepared, especially a defensive minded system. Yeah, I mean that that definitely trickles down to the rest of the team, and everybody sees that, and everybody wants to play harder, and everybody wants to play harder for you because you are a yeah. senior. And so that was awesome to see, and and it, it kind of showed me that that maybe maybe finally, and it, it couldn't come at a better time. Finally, he's ready. To, to play as well as he can play. And right now we're heading into the Conference USA tournament, so it's perfect timing in that sense. He slashed twice to the basket. That's to tell yeah. you. He, I mean, that, but it, his shot was just awesome. It, yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's what it is with Julian. When his shot's on, it opens up a lot of dimensions for him. And I think 
we even before I started with minor rush, my freshman his freshman sophomore year, me and my grandfather sitting in the stands like, why doesn't he just pump fake and just try to dunk over somebody or just try to go lay up over somebody? He did that twice against against Rice, and it just that's what they need because not only does that open up everything, but it also gives them a chance to go to the free throw line. Yeah, and I think Julian's a very serviceable free throw shooter as well. You know, with parlayed with his uh, mid range game, and that's going to be important to get a guy like Julian to be over 40, 50% from that mid-range, and then to be able to, to drive and open things up, because that's going to open up Vince. That's going to open up set on the drop-off. And Julian is a great passer, and we saw it a couple of times on the, where he was penetrating on the fast break, and he dumped it off to Vince for a big dunk, dumped it off to set. He's done that plenty of times. So it's going to be big for him. I think, uh, you know, I, I put up a post yesterday about, um, you know, the, kind of the breakdown of all the statistics that really don't show up that much. And, the big thing that stuck out to me was 40% of, the, of our scoring is coming from our seniors. And our seniors are averaging 28 points a game combined. That's going to be huge. That's got I think that's got to double into the 30s and the 40s in this tournament. I think we could possibly see that because you're talking with a guy like C.J. Cooper who him and Drew have been, in, you know, have been together for you know, four or five years now. And you're hoping that that not only rubs off on your younger guys but also rubs off on, on Cooper. And as our guards have gone, so has our record this year. And, you know, to talk about Cooper, man, that, that was a rough rough performance from him on Saturday. Yeah. And I, and you, you got to feel for him in a sense, too, because it's not like he's not trying. I mean, it's senior day, and he wants he want to play well. His parents were there. Um, but, yeah, man, you're, you're completely right. I mean, if this team is going to succeed in this, in this upcoming tournament, it's going to have to start with the seniors. Not even start with Vince. You know, Vince is going to get his. Vince is going to do what he's got to do, but – these other guys have to just realize that it starts with them. They are the leaders of this team, and there's no more time to, to just kind of wait and see what happens and see how things play out. There is, you take it by the horns and you run with it, man. And and it's just, for me, this team, it's never been a lack of, of talent. It, it's just been a lack of, in a sense, effort, a, lot, a lack of want. Like, it just seemed like they didn't have the desire to play hard at times, like, all these slow starts that we saw all season, we can blame it on coaching, and I still do because it, it has a lot to do with the coach not preparing them. But at the same time, these aren't middle schoolers. You know, they're not seventh and eighth grade kids. Like these are Division One athletes, and, and they should be ready to play these big games. You got a, a team like Arizona, the biggest game that's happened to the Don Haskins Center potentially ever. And and you don't eat, like you, you go behind fifteen you go down fifteen in the first few minutes of the game it's like you know you shouldn't have to 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 get somebody up for a game like that when the crowd was full in full throat during warmups and and that's that's been the only issue with this team is that ability to consistently come out strong and be ready for a game be prepared to go out and and just battle. And it, look, it's conference tournament time, man. And and if you want to make the NCAA tournament, if you even want to make the NIT, you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready to come out and battle. Because I'm telling you, look, FIU, UTSA might put up a fight and we might be able to get past them fine. But Old Dominion is not laying down for anybody. And especially as well as they're playing right now. And they probably have that's the most not, to play for out of any conference USA team they because do. they have an RPI. <laughs> they, they have the best chance of getting into the tournament as a bubble team, as an at-large. So, I mean, they definitely will not be wanting to go down in the semis. And at the same time, if UTEP wants any word, you know, they want to make any tournament, because, I don't. again, we've talked about it. I don't think CIT or CBI should even be in question. We don't we – don't, this team doesn't even deserve to go to those, nope. those tournaments if, we, if that's all we've got. 
Um, so, you know, if we don't want to be relegated to that, then, yeah, we, we have to play hard. We have to come out prepared. We have to be ready to take on a team like Old Dominion that's going to give us everything we can handle and more for 40 minutes. I mean, definitely agree. You talk, we talked about UTSA was something to play for. That semifinal matchup is going to be huge because, I mean, it, really, do you think that, I mean, UTEP's RPI is in the 70s, 73, 72 right now. What do you think that win will do? They're going to be, what, in the maybe in the mid-30s at that point? What do you think? I mean, that, do you well, think well, that, you're that... You're saying the win for... Like, let's, say we, let's say Old Dominion gets through, gets through Charlotte or Middle Tennessee. Okay. UTEP gets through FIU and, and UTSA. And UTEP comes in with the you know uh, that and with the win against UTSA that may bump them up maybe to the 69, 70s. Yeah, they're probably Old not going to lose much. In the, in the thirty-seven, UTEP beats Old Dominion. Where does UTEP's RPI go? Um, you know what? It's not going to get very high because of the bad losses. That's really what's holding UTEP's RPI down. And I and I I sent you a picture of it last week. I think where the three games: Southern Miss, Marshall, and New Mexico State. If we just win those three games. Not even I'm not even asking for Arizona. I'm not even asking for Louisiana Tech. Western, <laughs> I'm not even asking for Western Kentucky. You know, those three games that we should have won, our RPI right now would be in the 30s. And we'd have a great resume to make the NCAA tournament because we did beat Old Dominion, who's a top 50 team. We did beat uh, Xavier, who's a top 50 team. So we'd have two top 50 wins, and that's more than a lot of teams can say. Looking at BYU right now, who's who's considered to be one of the last four in, BYU only has one top 50 win on the season, and that's the other team, the team that they're playing right now, which, granted, is a great win. And it was late in the year. And it was late in the year. But, you know, they're like one and six against the top 50, and you could be something like two and two or something. You know, so... If, if you, when you start comparing resumes like that, UTEP would have a great chance to get in. Now, where we're at right now with the losses that we had, that's going to hold down our, our RPI. And and so even beating a team like Old Dominion, it'll boost our RPI, but we probably won't even break 60. It'll boost it for a, a respectable NIT bid. Yeah, but, yeah. But nowhere, so. not even close to even so. being the last four out or no, not even the close. next four out. Not even close. And now, if you beat... If you beat Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss two weeks ago, and, and, and now we're talking about having Old Dominion, obviously we wouldn't have played out the same more than likely because we would have won the league yeah. and whatnot. But you know, if let's just say in a, in a vacuum the same thing played out and we were playing Old Dominion for the in the semifinals, you know, then definitely that's the you know your RPI right now would have been already in the top fifty probably you know somewhere in the forties, and then you beat another top fifty team, you're probably boosted into the thirties. And now you got a good resume, but again, well, just one game left will just be the championship. Yeah, exactly. And so, but again, you know where we're at right now is it's not going to boost us. Win three and get in. Simple. The, the win, the win, and as far as bubble picture or anything like that, means much more to to Old Dominion because they're they're a team that's got somewhat of the resume with the wins that they've got. Again, VCU, Old uh, Richmond, and LSU. and LSU, which are great wins, and. And then, you know, they have a win against Louisiana Tech, who's a top 100 team. you got a win against UTEP, who's a t- well, assuming they would win this game. You know, you've got five or six top 100 wins, yeah. you know, and, and you've got an RPI in the probably low 30. So that, that win means much more to them as far as the bubble picture is concerned. But in all reality, I think even Old Dominion is is Hang on the outside looking in. Yeah, I mean, they might even be the last team out, but I don't think they're going to make the tournament. It's, to me, it's a one-bit league. Definitely, I mean, that would help. Like I said, you're talking about we don't lose those three games and possibly, very possibly a two-bid, maybe even a three, depending on how things play out. But yeah. uh kind of want to move, just move on a little bit because tomorrow the women 
uh, start off Wednesday uh, at 10 a.m. I believe that game's going to be on American Sports Network. I haven't checked any of the threads or uh, any release from UTEP yet, but uh, they also had two uh, two of their ladies get recognized uh, by the All-Conference USA team, Lula McKinney, all-freshman. Kamisha Turner, very deservingly second team. Anything less than that for her would have been a huge, huge disappointment. disappointment. Uh, but the ladies coming in, they'll have uh, – yeah, it's a very, very tough draw with UAB. Uh, that's going to be a very, very tough draw team that beat them uh, by 15 points early in the year. Got to go to Bartow again. I really feel that if this team can get their three-point shooting together, if they can take care of the ball defensively, I mean, this team is still very solid defensively. I wouldn't say they're great. I wouldn't say that they're um, a juggernaut defensive. This is a team that could defend you. They've had some rebounding issues, but the big thing with the women has been scoring. You know, if they can find some type of production from three or four girls, whether it's from the three-point line, whether it's inside out, that is going to be their key. And I like the way that it sets up for them because they, if they can knock off UAB, they'll get Middle Southern Miss, who they beat here at home, or did they beat them on the road? No, it was LaTeX. They've lost to the Southern Miss twice. And I, I really think that that Southern Miss game, they played them here the second time was a very, very close game, put them on neutral floor. But this is definitely a growing year for Keita Adams. So more than, you know, trying to play spoiler, more than anything, this is big experience for these ladies because next year you're going to get your, your, your two best players back, coupled with a girl like Kamisha Turner that has stepped up. So just hoping that the Miners can at least upset UAB and put a good showing out there tomorrow. And, uh, you know, it's it's all about growth with this team. Very, very young, had some rough stretches, and it's really just the offense with this team and, and really hoping they can at least grab a game out there. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be tough for them. Um, yeah, real tough. Which, which is kind of – it's crazy to say because of all the success that, that Keith Adams has had here uh, since she's been here. I mean, I don't know how many years in a row now that it had been – um, 21, 21 seasons. seasons, and obviously they're not going to be getting there this year. Well, I guess you can't really count them out, but it doesn't seem like that. But you do open up the Conference USA tournament against a middle-of-the-pack team in UAB. Not going to be easy, but I, I do think it's a, it's a game that they that they could win. Um, it just I, I just don't see that you don't have. And I, I look at it because I look at it from like a the way I, I look at the men's bracket and, and looking at firepower and how much how how good offensively teams can be and that's just the that's what I don't see from like you mentioned it's just the the lack of of finding Consistent points for the, yeah, exactly. and, and and you know Kamisha Turner played extremely well averaging 16 points on on the season but nobody else has been able to consistently be there and that's that's where it hurts because you get into these to these games that are that are close you know even if you if even if you, you were hanging around with a team like it's it's tough to find those baskets down the stretch when you need them, when you've only got one go-to player, and and so that's that's what I think has held them back the most this year, and probably will, will you know will, will be what would do them in uh, in the conference tournament. You'd hope to to see them get a win over UAB, but it's hard to ask anybody to beat the home team in a conference tournament. Women's, men's, it don't matter. Yeah, but the future is bright. The future is yeah, bright no because there are some pieces there. Turner's just a junior. Lulu McKinney showed that she can play. They, some of those JUCO transfers that they have, they're going to be seniors next year. You're getting back Jenzel Nash. You're getting back Krishana Parker. Hopefully everything goes good with her uh, application in the NCAA to get an extra year. But I think next year's women's team is going to be very, very exciting. I'm, it's kind of hard to compare what they did last year. Yeah. you know. But I really think that we could see that type of chemistry, that type of roster makeup where you have – 
firepower, and not only on the offensive side, but defensively. I mean, Kamisha Turner in her first two years was a defensive stopper. Yeah. She only had, a, when I was doing the write-up, I think it was two games of over 10 points of her career. And this year, I mean, she just exploded. So it's going to be huge. And, of course, like you said, with Keith Adams running the show. That's the whole I mean, thing. That, that, that's, you're not, when you've got a coach like that, you know, she's proven what she can do. And, and so you're not going to you're not gonna be down for long. No. Um, so this year was a tough one to go through for for the whole team, but with the with the good nucleus that you got returning, you got a good base to build on. Uh, I think I think they'll be able to, like you said, you know, it, it's hard to match what you did a year ago, but I think, you know, they're not going to be held down for long. I think we'll probably be back to a twenty one season next year. Yeah, I'm really really excited about that roster next year. So good luck to ladies again. That's ten a.m. tomorrow morning. You can catch that on six hundred a.m. ESPN. Did you El Paso. It's on the American Sports Network. It, it is on the American Sports Network, but I don't I don't know if we got anything from UTEP showing that it was going to be. It, it should be. You know what? No, I lied to you. It shouldn't be because the UTSA the men's, men's game. Men's so, games but right. you can possibly find it streaming online. Um, I know some people were tweeting at. At the American Sports Network today, and they said on the day of the game, their live link will be available, okay. and that's for both sides. That, so, so that's men's as well. So that that's men's as well. So that's going to be interesting. But I know for sure that the UTSA FIU game will be on at 11 a.m. tomorrow. Which I mean, you know, they should put the women's game on here in El Paso because it's UTEP. I mean, they deserve it. But either way, you can catch the Capitals on 600. ESPN El Paso tomorrow. Cut the call at 10 a.m. Good luck to the ladies. Good luck to Keitha. Hopefully they can bring a dub back and. Woo! Man, I just can't. I just can't wait for Thursday. Honestly, like I mean, I, I'm gonna definitely be watching the women tomorrow. But I just I can't wait for Thursday, bro. It just it seems like it's it's taking too long to get here. But um, before we wrap up this podcast, I want to run down the final conference USA power rankings of the year. Power rankings that has been. The best that we've ever had, uh, football, basketball. I mean, we've had so much contribution. It's it's been really awesome, and um, I, I I don't know. I mean, I think we. I don't I don't know if there's that many people out there that do a conference USA Power Rankings, but I think we're like the voice on that subject. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel I feel weird. We we reached out to to, to bloggers of of different you know beat writers and bloggers of from different schools around Conference USA, and it's even though it's still kind of UTEP heavy, we've we've gotten it to the point where there's a lot of input, and you get 10, 11, 12 voters, you're gonna to start to see things kind of even out, and you won't have so much, you know, UTEP influence. In it. I mean, UTEP came in number three this this week, and yeah. and, and you know they're the second place team, and you know the, you got a great point. I, I, first of all, thanks to all of our our voters, they range out to non SB Nation writers, to SB Nation writers, to newspaper beat writers from Western Kentucky, Old Dominion. Uh, UAB. I mean, we we kind of reached out and tried to, like you said, make it diverse, make it something interesting where it's just not just my dumbass putting <laughs> putting together who I think is the best, which of course is going to be orange and blue shaded. But you know, definitely, definitely, uh, in, and our all conference teams too. A couple guys got at me and, and we're able to put together some decent ones. So of course, first place team, La Tech, number one on the year, finishing with seven first place votes out of possible eight. Preseason number one, of course, Thursday they got North Texas with Rice, RPI in the mid-50s. Checking in at number two, Old Dominion, 20. You know what? Hold up. Before we even get into this, I noticed a huge trend this this week. There, There's actually tiers to points, and you can tell 
and it holds true to the contenders and the pretenders in the conference tournament. Okay. So you're looking at these top four teams All right. where that cutoff is 84 points with Old Dominion, or excuse me, UAB at number five. They got 80, 84 points. Western Kentucky's in at four with 86. UTEP's three at that 97. And you see a drop-off when you go through six through, ah, we'll, give it to, we'll give it to Charlotte, six through nine. Number six is, is Middle Tennessee with 72. Actually, we'll go down a little. We'll go down a little deeper. I'm gonna I'm cut that off right there at, at FIU. Six through eight with FIU and 51. Charlotte and Rice. I mean, those are your those are your tiers. I think you got your top five in there with UAB, Western Kentucky, UTEP, La Tech, and then you got your middle. Middle Tennessee, I'll, UTSA, FIU, Charlotte. Not to cut you off, but I would actually take it a step further, and I would say that your tiers actually are just the top three. So, like, you got the top three teams in Louisiana Tech, Old Dominion, and UTEP, who's got 97 and above points. Because there is kind of a drop-off between UTEP and Western Kentucky. So then, like, Western Kentucky, UAB, Middle Tennessee are probably in one. So that's your second okay. tier there. Okay. You know, so you're kind of going three-team tiers. And then maybe there, your fourth you, tier goes four teams. You could slip in five, five, I guess, down to Rice, right, seven through 11. And then your bottom tier. Marshall. But it, it makes perfect sense, though. I mean, yeah, just when I'm looking at it, when I was putting the numbers together in the post, it just fits perfectly to see where these teams have. And it's kind of like the consistency where they've been all year. Yeah. You know, we've seen so much transition with, with teams, but they've all stayed in those same points brackets and the same kind of contention brackets, whatever you want to say. So, again, well, that just shows how much. Is that the guy's name you were looking for uh, earlier? That That's the big guy you're that, talking yeah, about? Yeah, the second quarter. Yeah, dude, he's a beast, man. Impressive. He's like a Steven Zimmerman, do you think? You know what? Um, I'd have to say no in the sense. And I, I've never even seen Zimmerman play. I've only seen video. Uh, I've seen it recently. And and for me, when the video that and of course when you when you're when you're putting together no it's not even Wiltshire there's another dude oh, I thought it, I Wiltshire's thought it was a beast too actually they have two of them man they have two seven footers uh, but but no uh, Zimmerman is actually uh, again when you're putting it together a recruiting video they they're gonna put the best of everything. You're going to see a guy that can block, a guy that can handle, he can shoot, he can drive. But can he really in a game, just because he had a play here, a play there, a play there that you put together into a video, that's one thing. But but that's what I've seen from Zimmerman. It seems like he's a seven-footer, but he's almost Dirk-like in a sense because he can step out and hit the jumper. He can he can handle the basketball. He can, he can, he's got good eyes where he can pass. These bigs here for Gonzaga are just interior players that you just meet them in the post and they've just got great turnaround. Yeah, great interior post moves and just finish at the basket. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Steven Zimmerman. I see people tweeting at him trying to get him to go to YouTube. But uh, back to our uh, Rush Awards. Uh, well, our conference USA uh, power rank is our Rush Awards MVP. This was kind of tough because Kenneth Smith only averaged five points a game. But he was third in the nation of assists. And I think when you're talking about most valuable player, you take Kenneth Smith away from La Tech, and La Tech is a middle of a road team. That's my opinion on that. It's hard. I can't disagree, but at the same time, La Tech showed that they had multiple guys who could step up and score 20 points a game. You know, so I they didn't have the depth to where you could take away any of those guys, really, and still be as good as they were. But, I mean, again, I, I can't disagree, but at the same time, really all of their players were very, very important to how to how well they've played. Definitely, definitely. Moving on to my, – my computer went down. Oh, uh, look at you, bro. It's coming up, though, but I ain't really trying to 
I ain't really trying to mess with it. Louisiana Tech comes in at number one, as we said. Old Dominion number two. UTEP three. And again, the the tiers that you talked about, I definitely think though that's the top tier because I think those are the true three contenders for the tournament. Western Kentucky comes in at number four. Um, they were a preseason number three, so I think you know we had them pretty. Yeah, we weren't off on a lot of these teams. I think some of the teams that were off on were just surprises, like Charlotte. We had a five and ends up a little later. So. UAB five, uh, Middle Tennessee six, UTSA seven, FIU eight, Charlotte nine. North Texas 10, Rice, Marshall, Southern Miss, and FAU rounding out the bottom. Um, yeah, we weren't awful on, on, on many of those guys, but as we were talking about the Rush Awards, Kenneth Smith at La Tech. Um, I think he actually wins it because I think they're going to turn it into a lifetime achievement award. I think, so? I think that's how they're going to go with this one. Because, I mean, Trey Freeman had a great year, and I think he's very, very deserving. But like I said, I just think Speedy Smith means a lot more to that team. Um, in my opinion, than maybe a, a Trey Freeman, even though that's a huge, huge statement to say because Trey Freeman put the ball in the basket a lot this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with that at all. And you're, you're probably right. I, I, but again, like I was talking about, just I think there were so many guys on – well, they're, they're basically their starting five was just so oh, important yeah. to that team because that's where they got 90% of their production from. But I agree with that. You, you've got We've got co-defensive MVPs of Julian Washburn uh, – and Michael Kaiser from La Tech, who we already know that Julian actually won the defensive player of the year, but Michael Kaiser definitely he, he good was, he, was leading, he was leading the league in blocks. Yeah. So Adrian Tears went off last week. So and and I thought maybe that's how the league would go because I mean you're looking at it from two when you're looking at it it's mostly stats they yeah. look at but I mean I'm looking at it as, as Julian's the best defender, Michael Kaiser's well, the best shot blocker. Here's the, the thing, when you talk about about these kind of awards, it's done by media. Yeah. And I, I say that like if I'm not part of the media, you know what I mean? But the truth is we're really not. Like we are, but I feel like we're fans and we do follow and we yeah. do we do watch all these teams play. You know? And and uh, most of the media just covers their team. You know, and, they they, and, and then they look at stat sheets and they say, Okay, this guy scored this many, this guy and that's not a true way of determining like who's actually, you know, one of the better players. But um yeah, I mean, we got you got to ride with Julian there at least for sure. I mean, Kaiser again, he was a great interior defender, but Julian comes with a MVP for us, and and actually in Conference USA, freshman of the year, Torn Dorn from Charlotte, um, great year from him. You cover the year, Trey Freeman out of ODU, big time pickup, big big time pickup. Trey Freeman has been, I mean. Probably the most pure scorer in the league. I would no say. doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, uh, you do know these guys from UAB again. I mean, from uh, from Louisiana Tech. Uh, Hamilton is uh, you know, Ham- exactly. Hamilton is a in, very, very pure scorer, in my opinion. So, I don't know. But he's definitely carried ODU to, to where they're at right now and having them playing very, very well. You got Irvin Morris as the uh, sixth man of the year. I, I would have agreed. I, I, I didn't get a chance to put in my votes for this, but I would have agreed with that about three or four weeks ago. Yeah. He kind of tapered off down the stretch, and to me, that was the only reason why he, he would have kind of faded out of that picture. But he was, to me, he was UTEP's second leading scorer, and you know he 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 came off the bench 18 times this year. So I didn't want to get into the oh who came off the bench more, but I just thought Urban Morris he supplied UTEP with with needed points off the bench in, in certain situations, and uh, you know the league guy, the league guy that won it was from UAB, and you can't really you know I can't really disagree with that, but I just thought Urban Morris. Was you know, talk about a sixth man of the year last year with uh, Kenyon uh, McNeil from La Tech, and what Kenyon McNeil did was 
he went in there and hit daggers and got those big points and got those big buckets. And that's just what I thought Irvin Morris did. So, uh, you know, Irvin Morris is going to be a big part of his team next year, no doubt about it. Jared Haas gets our Coach of the Year vote. And I I would agree with that. Um, Although you could give it to – was it with uh, Louisiana Tech? Is it White? Mike, Mike, yeah, Mike, Mike that, White. He was very deserving too. For what they did with as li- and I say as little, I just I harped on it all year about the lack of depth and just how so much of their production came from their starting five. For you to go an entire season with that lack of depth and be able to to be the hands down best player, best team in the league, and not make it look like it's an issue. Yeah, I mean that, that's that to me. That's a that is a great, great coaching job. Yeah, it's either Haas, you got to look at Mike White, and then maybe that Rice coach as a distant third. But that, I definitely agree with that. Most improved player, Cedric Lang. I feel like we started to get a little bit UTEP heavy on this, but <laughs> but I can't this disagree, man. I can't disagree. Cedric was, you know. He's always had that effort and intensity. He's always been a good rebounder, a big body that could bang down low. His only issue for his first three years was his ability to finish at the rim. And he, he did that this year yeah. in a big way. And we talked about the beginning of the year that we, it was a month. Yeah, it was. And you know what? I was actually talking about this at the at the game on Saturday. He's the one. I know, look, Julian is an amazing defender and, and is a great offensive player at times. CJ can be a, a big-time lift with his three-point shots. Cedric Lang is the one that I'm going to miss the most of the three yeah, seniors. I think, I, I think you're you and everyone. Because he, he's, he's just played so big. He, he's got, he plays with so much intensity. He wants it so bad. You can always see it. And that you can't ask any more of a guy. You know? And so that, that guy I'm definitely going to miss. I, 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 again, I think we started getting a little UTEP heavy, but I can't disagree with that. He's, been, he's played awesome this year, and he's definitely much improved from a year ago. I had to throw in a, an award for comeback player of the year for Jeremy because Last year, I was really excited to watch him. Yeah. I heard a lot of good things about him in the WAC. He was three-time all-WAC, whatever. Like I mentioned earlier, he led him to an NCAA tournament. And I thought he had a really, really good year. You know, 17 points over seven boards, top four in both rebounds and, and points. So, you know, he had a bad knee injury last year that shut him down. So, Jeremy Hill from UTSA would give him uh, – added a comeback player of the year award. I don't think – Anybody, uh, there was any significant major injuries in Conference USA this year, so I don't know if we'll have that next year. Uh, congrats to all of our award winners. I guess you could say from the rust. <laughs> Someone will probably read this on IP and I'll get one up there. Oh, man, dude. But hey, man, I, I don't know. I, I can honestly say with the American Sports Network, I think I watched as many Conference USA games as I've ever had in my life this year. Yeah, and, and I think it's helped us as fans. Of course, as writers, has helped us. You know, obviously, we got to write previews and, and kind of know what we're talking about before we get on these podcasts. But I think it's helped kind of educate our fans as well as, you know, who's who. And, and people are recognizing players now when they probably didn't even know who Aaron Baycoat was in Old Dominion last year. And now these guys don't know. So I thought it was a real good year for local sports fans, maybe not on the national scene with the American Sports Network. Definitely agree, man. It's awesome that that we're able to watch so many games because it's something that we haven't had in the past with, with the different deals that the Conference USA has had. I still can't get all these because I'm a U-verser, so I don't get a lot of those American sports networks. Like when they're on – or oh, with, yeah. whatever ones are on Fox, uh, 14.2 or whatever. Oh, yeah. I got to, like, turn off my cable box and change the cable cha- yeah. the TV channel. But, but no, it, it's been great. And, you know, another thing that I like as far as, you know, TV coverage goes is the, the Conference Championship is going to be – on 
on Fox Sports and 1. And it's in the afternoon. And it's in the afternoon. That's the thing. You know, it's 2.30 on Saturday, which is a big-time day for college basketball. And, and you know, CUSA is going to gonna have a, a spotlight game. So that's, that's awesome because we've always had that 9, nine o'clock game on, on CBS. And that's a rough one, man. I'm first thing in the morning. to get out in that last year to call Memphis, that. man. Memphis a couple years back when we played here, that was – I mean, obviously you're – your team's playing, so you're gonna yeah. you're gonna be up. But I mean, it's just like early, man. You I know? was living in Austin, so I was a little hour behind. But yeah, I was still kind of in my pajamas, like, dang. And I was, and I really think that if if that's a, a even at eleven o'clock start, you feel it was like eleven and change. I think that bumps that up to twelve thousand. I I really think that kind of slightly affected a sellout in that one. But did we not have a sellout that game? I, I it was short. I think it was like eleven and change. You sure? I, Swear to God, you sure to me. I mean, it sounded like it was sold out from <laughs> from CBS through my TV and warm neighbors, my old people down in Austin when I'm over here stopping at Fuck Joe Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> but man, it's, uh, it just shows how long we've been emotionally invested in this damn team. I remember getting crunk on uh, 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 Nick Fazekas in the in oh, yeah, Nevada man. days. Most Charlotte and Ramon Sessions. Back to the old whack days before, like Nevada, man. You talk about coming in. I remember watching uh, uh, Keith Van Horn. Keith Van Horn, man. Uh, other big dude that plays for Golden State. Uh, what's his name? Bogan. Bogan. Andrew Bogan. We played, always we played, played him in the tournament. tournament. Uh, it just, you know, uh, yeah, just – Definitely invested in this team emotionally for years and years, basically my entire life. And I just love this time of year, man. I love this time of year. I I, I can't wait for Thursday. And I just, it just sucks because you're like, at any moment, the season could be over and it's done. Yep. It's not like football. Like football, you, you know when your last game is. You either make it to a ball or you don't. You know when the ball game is going to be. Right now, it's like, are we still going to play? And then, like, you gotta wait for Sunday. Like, let's just say you you have a chance to make it to the NCAA or NIT. You always gotta wait and see. Well, are we gonna get selected? You know, it, uh, who are we gonna play? Where are we gonna play? You know, it's just it's it's just crazy with with basketball and March Madness. You just never know if you have another day or you don't. And I think the coaches and anybody that's around the program can agree that the difference between a minor great and a minor legend is what you do in the tournament time. Yes, sir. And I think there's three guys' legacies that probably have been preached that maybe over the course of their career with all the greats that have came through here and have spoken to them. And I think I think it's time, just like you said, I think it's time for these three guys and Floyd. You know, you're talking about Floyd, kind of what he's been through. You know, he's been through hell since yeah, he yeah. back. It hasn't been a great reunion. It's been, you know, and it's not it, – part of it is his doing. Part of it has been out of his control. That's it's 50-50, even 60-40, you know, where it's out of his control more yeah. than it is his, it, it is his fault and, you know, it just that that's my big thing for this team is this team has an opportunity to have three minor legends. Yeah. But if they don't do nothing, all they're gonna be is minor greats. And I think these kids these three kids have been the staple of this C T F turnaround. I mean, and I want to see them become it, when you think about it, Julian is like what fifth or sixth on the all-time scoring six, list. Six, yeah, I read it today. Six. He's six. So, Seth's I mean, moving up. It's Cooper's it, number three all-time in three points. These are guys that that line up. Very highly historically, when it comes to UTEP basketball and scoring and other 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 stats, and I bet you if you looked at that list of scores, I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But every single one of those guys in that top ten are legends. I feel. And, and you got a guy in Julian Washburn who's right on the cusp, but just hasn't had that big gain or that big. His team hasn't had those big wins, you know. And that's really like you said, this is the time of year where you establish yourself as just a you know you turn from a great into a legend. 
And and I think it's time, man. I really do think it's time. And I agree with you on Floyd. I've been hard on him. I I still don't know what to do about it because I'm so torn <laughs> with with you know you, you you take these bad losses and you in the moment you're so emotional you're like it's done like I'm done with it I don't want to see this anymore and maybe that is the right way to go maybe it is time to part with Floyd if nothing happens this year you know what I'm saying it's probably not gonna happen but I'm saying maybe that is what's what's best at the same time maybe it's not who knows like I don't I don't even know anymore man and it is tough it's a lot of it's out of his control but the the one thing that is in his control and and Julian and and said and CJ is these next three games. Nope. That is in hey, your control. fucking man. That's it, man. That's uh, in yeah. your control. So go take care of business. Get ready to play. Get your teammates ready to play. You're the seniors. Be the leaders. And and if you take care of business, then there's nobody complaining. There's no there's no there's nothing to be said against you. And you know what, man? Sometimes it's not even about winning every game. But if you're out there showing that, hey, I came ready to play. I prepared. And you know what? It just wasn't good enough that day. Well, that's one thing. But what we've seen at times from this team has been very rough, and I just I don't know if I can handle another one of those, man. But you don't have to. <laughs> Knock on wood, whatever you got to do. But man, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be intense. And it starts Thursday. Okay, we'll have the comment thread up. We're actually gonna open up a comment thread for the early games tomorrow. Yeah. So y'all jump on there. We'll I'll go on there during the day. Of course, I'll be at work. But you know, I'm thinking about taking a little TV in my office Ooh. with a little with a little antenna ears and watching the game. So. Man, right, man. Y'all know where to hit us up. Minorrush.com, SBNMinorrush at gmail.com, Twitter.com slash Minorrush, at SBNMinorrush is the handle, uh, Facebook.com slash Minorrush. Let's do it, man. Let's get it. And Reggie McKenzie, open up that damn pocketbook and start spending that free agent money, man. We out. Oh, man. Go Raiders. This Raider fan. <laughs>